Welcome to episode 8 of From the Front Porch. I'm Annie Jones, and I'm joined today by bookshelf manager Rebecca Arwood. We'll be discussing books versus movies and how our favorite works of literature have been translated into film, and whether or not we agree with those translations. Stick around for the discussion! Um, so those of you who don't know, this podcast is, of course, called From the Front Porch, but we record inside my home because of all the school children and the barking dogs. Um, and this is Rebecca's first time on the show, so welcome, Rebecca. Thank you. Glad to be here. Rebecca is our manager at the bookshelf. She also is a student. Um, tell us what you are studying, Rebecca. I am currently finishing up an associate's degree in early childhood education at our local technical college, Southwest Georgia Tech. So Rebecca's kind of expertise in the store uh, is young adult and children's literature. I think those are your two favorite sections in the store. Yes. Definitely. Okay, Rebecca's kind of our middle reader guru, I feel like. <laughs> I feel like you really keep your tabs on that section. And then she reads a lot of YA. So um, when Katie and I were talking about doing this um, discussion about books and film, Katie was kind of wary because <laughs> I guess Katie does not see very many movies. Um, and to be fair, we're kind of a booky group, so it's not like movies are a huge part of our lives, but I feel like you see a lot of movies. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I do. Okay, so I thought um, Rebecca would be a good fit for today. Um, let's talk first about some... Well, no, I know what I want to talk about first. You read Gone Girl, yes. Yes. Okay, I read Gone Girl when it very first came out back in 2012, I think. It was like hot off the press, and I actually bought it from the bookshelf Tallahassee before I ever worked there um, because it was supposed to be like the summer's hit. Like, you know, the most popular yeah. book of the summer. So I read Gone Girl very first when it came out. When did you read Gone Girl? Oh, I was really late on the bandwagon. Like, I sold a ton of copies just based off of everybody else's recommendations long before I actually read it myself. Mm -hmm. But I picked it up, I guess, probably about four months ago mm -hmm. and couldn't put it down. Like, I was really surprised because with it being sort of um, touted as a thriller, mm -hmm. I anticipated it being a little more fast-paced event-wise. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't. It was totally character-driven. And so the suspense oh, was about the people right. and not the events. And that really carried through very well. I was really pleasantly surprised to find that it definitely lived up to and even surpassed my expectations for the book. Yeah, so the film, um, if you haven't seen it, which just FYI, this is going to be a spoiler-filled discussion. <laughs> so if you have not read Gone Girl and you intend to do so, or if you have not seen the film and you intend to do so, please stop listening because I really believe Gone Girl is one of those things you really have to enjoy spoiler-free. Yes. Agreed. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so, and you somehow made it to the book spoiler-free, which I don't even know how. I feel like people talk about it all the time. Yeah, I don't know how I avoided it, but I did, and I'm so glad. <laughs> yes, okay, so turn us off, or fast-forward or something while we talk about this. So, I have been looking forward to Gone Girl, the film, for a long time. Not all books I read do I want or think should be translated into right. movie form. Um, in fact, some I'm very scared for them to be translated yeah. into movie form. But Gone Girl, I thought, and maybe it's because it was character-driven, I thought, ooh, this could be a good movie. Um, but casting was important to me. So I remember when Ben Affleck's name was released, 
And there was this big kerfuffle because Reese Witherspoon was producing. And so the assumption was Reese Witherspoon was going to be Amy. So let's talk about, do you think Reese could have played Amy? Oh, that's interesting because I actually didn't even realize that she was sort of placed for the part yeah. by the public. Um, oh, yeah. She was going to produce it, or she pr- she did produce Gone Girl, and she was going to star. And then David Fincher, who directed, said, actually, I want to take this a different direction. And really props to Reese. I mean, I do <laughs> like her. But, like, props to her for not, I don't know, not forcing her way into right. the film. But what do you, do you think she could have played Amy? Well, she's a fabulous actress, and I, I love her just as a person. I don't really see her as the Amy role, mm-hmm. mostly because I think most of the parts that we see her in, she's very human and very relatable. And Amy's the kind of character that takes you outside of the average human experience and into something very dark and very twisted. And I don't see her... I think she's very established in the kinds of roles that she plays. Right. And I think while this could have been an interesting diversion for her, a sort of a different way, Yeah. I'm glad she didn't end up with a role. Yeah. And let's talk about um, Rosamund Pike, who did play Amy. So I kept while I was watching this movie which you'd think I would have googled it beforehand but I thought she looks so darn familiar what do I know her from (laughs) and it is from another movie adaptation of a book which maybe we will talk about Pride and Prejudice yes and talk about a transformation from Jane to Amy Amy Dunn opposite yeah so what did you think of Rosamund Pike's performance I thought she was fabulous man yeah because I think the character calls for something a little bit extreme, but also something understated because mm-hmm. not everybody knows that she's absolutely crazy. Right, she's going to lose it. Yeah. And in order for that to come across, the character has to be kind of understated. You right. Know? right, because she's still a measured kind of crazy. Right, because um, it's calculated. Right, I don't know if you've ever seen, and now I'm not going to remember the name of the movie, but the movie where Glenn Close plays like this betrayed um, lover, she's had this affair with a married man with Michael Douglas. Oh, right, I know what you're talking about, okay. but I haven't seen okay. it. Okay, well, you should. Um, <laughs> it's very good. But Glenn Close plays like crazy, crazy, like crazy hair, crazy eyes. She completely loses it. And I feel like Amy actually doesn't completely lose it. Like, you never no. really see her lose her cool. Like, she's completely. The only glimmer of it I saw in the film was this scene where. Amy is with Neil Patrick Harris's um, doomed character, <laughs> and they're sitting, and she's watching Nick, um, yeah. played by Ben Affleck on TV. Yeah, and you see Amy kind of start to realize, oh, her plan might need to change, right. kind of thing. And t- talk about a great piece of acting; like you almost only see it in her eyes. Yeah, it's very subtle. Yeah, um, so I really was pleased with her performance, and um, honestly, was pleased with Gone Girl as a whole. Yes, um, for sure. I thought it really, you talked about a movie that keeps the sense of the book. So even if it strays from like main events or whatever, I think Gone Girl did that. Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah, I'd have to agree. I felt like um, even in the book, like you get into it and it does take a couple chapters for you to kind of get the feel of the characters and for it to really hook you in. And I think one of the things that hooks you in the book is the quality of the writing because it's a very, it's kind of a quirky style. Um, Mm -hmm. And I felt like the movie did a really good job of not rushing events mm-hmm. in order to suck you in, but still being true to kind of like that slow burn yeah. that happens in the book. Yeah, and the, okay, so in the book, um, those of you who have read it, um, there is this major kind of turning point, this shift. Um, and we go from 
thinking, again, spoiler alert, thinking that Amy is dead and thinking Mm -hmm. that Nick has potentially killed her um, to all of a sudden we realize the diaries we've been reading or the the diary entries we've been hearing on film um, were contrived by Amy. And Amy is still alive and she's kind of on the lam kind of thing. And so it switches. And in the book, I remember completely being stunned. Like I had no expectation of it. I was completely shocked. Um, And in the film, you know, I've heard a couple of different commentators um, say that that's where the film fell flat for them. I really thought it was handled pretty well. What did you think? Yeah, I thought they did a great job handling it. I Now, I had read the book when I came into it, so I was anticipating it. I was right. expecting it. I was really looking forward to that moment. Right. Um, so I don't know how it plays with, like, kind of a, a blank slate. Someone who hasn't read um, it. Because in the book, I mean, yeah, I was astonished. I, I, I actually kind of mourned Diary Amy just a little bit because I was really <laughs> attached to her. Right. I, I supported her. Yeah. I wanted her to succeed, and I was really hating Nick about halfway through the book. Actually, really, I really intensely started to dislike him when I found out about the affair. I was like, wow, right. you're just a total jerk, and here you have this really cool wife and right. <laughs> so supportive and everything. So I was totally duped. Yeah. Which I think is really kind of the point, is that Amy can dupe people like that. Right. But yeah, I thought they did a great job with it in the movie. Yeah, I thought that transition where you go from thinking diary Amy, I like that phrasing, like diary Amy is real to what real Amy is really like, and I think they handled it pretty well. When she... Her tone even changes, like in the when she starts eating junk food, and like I love that they show the physical transformation that she was willing to go through. Man, like when she hits herself in the face with the hammer, and you know, and you really start to get some of that. Like, I mean, you're already convinced that she's crazy, but I love (laughs) how the um, kind of psychopathic tendencies come through when even when the the girl that she meets at the uh, like the rundown apartment homes like starts to criticize Amy from the from the news and then when she walks into the other room Amy spits into her lemonade yes you know, oh I gosh, love that yes. they kept that that's yeah. just that's really key to kind of showing how revenge motivated she is right so um I really enjoyed Gone Girl the film felt like it was a good adaptation and actually when I heard David Fincher was going to do it um I I believe David Fincher also did um Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and that was a book series that I actually only finished. It's a trilogy, for those of you who haven't read them. Um, those books I only finished because I needed to know what happened to the character. <laughs> um, but those books, and there may be those who disagree, I actually don't think they're that well written. Um, I never read them. Have you read them? Okay. So it's a suspense kind of trilogy. The um, the the Really the big... Um, part of the books that I loved is this character, the the main character. Um, she is fierce and complicated, and I loved her. Um, but the books, I think, are really lengthy. Stieg Larsson wrote them, and I believe they were published posthumously, meaning, mm-hmm. um, meaning he died before they were published. And I don't know if an editor just didn't want to mess with a dead man's material, but I really think Steve could have used an editor. Like, there were just so many unnecessary details, so you had to kind of wade through um, this text. And so I was not a huge fan of the books, but I did read all three because I desperately wanted to know what happened to her. Um, But the movie, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, it is, of course, 
if you have not read the books, it is violent. It is graphic. Um, so be warned. Um, so is Gone Girl, quite <laughs> yes, frankly. By the way. <laughs> um, in case you were confused. Because Gone Girl, I think we've discussed this too, I feel like when you read something, it's very different from seeing it on screen. Yeah. So I took Jordan with me to see this movie and I think I did apologize later because it is so much more graphic than I remembered from the from the book. Um, I think when I read, I can tune out certain things. Right. But when it's put right skin. in front of your face, yeah, um, it's a little more graphic. So anyway, Girl with the Giant Tattoo is a very graphic, violent film. But I thought it did such justice to the books. And so... When David Fincher signed on for Gone Girl, I was thrilled. I felt like the book was in good hands. Um, And Gillian Flynn wrote the screenplay. So the author of the book wrote the screenplay. And I felt like, okay, she's got this. Like, she knows what she wants it to look like. Um, But there have been an influx, I think, of other book-to-film translations recently. Lots of young adult stuff. And young adult is kind of your thing. So what movies... Based on books, have you seen lately? Okay, so I have seen um, both of the Hunger Games movies. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen If I Stay, but I did watch The Fault in Our Stars. Okay. And I watched Divergent. Okay. Um, the Maze Runner? Yes, did you do those? I did okay. watch Maze Runner. Okay. And you, so t- let's talk about Maze Runner because those are books I haven't read and you haven't read them either. No, I haven't. Okay. Um, I went to see Maze Runner with my younger sister, Emily, and she actually had read the books. Uh, and had kind of mixed reviews on the books. She enjoyed them, but she found herself frustrated. I think there were a lot more questions brought up than there were answered in the books. Mm -hmm. And she actually told me she was really excited about the movie Mm -hmm. because when she read the books, she remembered thinking, hey, this would actually probably translate into an even better movie than Mm -hmm. it does as a book. Um, And so when I saw the previews, I was really intrigued. It looked um, pretty intense, actually. It for does look intense. A young adult movie, and let me tell you, it is. Yeah. I was sitting in the theater, and I found myself a number of times like gripping the <laughs> the chair yeah. and kind of like shrinking backwards just a little bit because there were some high intensity moments in it. Yeah, and I thought it was really well done, had pretty decent acting, and I like I can't wait for the sequel. Like it was a really good movie. So here's my question. So all my whole life I have really thought books better than movies always and forever. Right. Always. Um uh, sometimes I will come across a movie that I think is just as good as the book. Uh-huh. Rarely better, often worse. Right. Um <laughs> but I okay, so you did not read Maze Runner, but you went and saw the film. I, on a whim, went and saw If I Stay with my younger cousin. I had not read the books. Actually had no even idea of what the film was about besides the trailer I had seen. Um, But we went to see it together. And I really enjoyed that movie. I found it really touching. Um, But I hadn't read the book. Mm -hmm. And Sydney, one of our staffers, she has read the book but hasn't seen the movie. So I wonder if you go into a movie with a clear slate, like I'm not in there for compare and contrast. Right. I'm just there to enjoy. Um, so did your sister who had read Maze Runner, did she like the books? Uh, the, the movies? She did. She enjoyed the movie, I think, even more okay. than she did the books. Okay. Um, and she's really looking forward to the next installment as well. Um, but she said it followed along with the plot uh-huh. of the book really well mm-hmm. and uh, was actually maybe even a little bit better developed. So I do think there are these occasions I'm realizing I don't think I would have 
admitted this a few years ago, but I think sometimes the movies can be better or just as good. So I think If I Stay was a really well done adaptation. You mentioned Maze Runner. We talked about Maze Runner. What about The Fault in Our Stars, this huge John Green blockbuster book turned film? Yeah, I read the book um, actually about two years ago this Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Um, We were on vacation and I actually read it in one day. I sat down and just like read all the way through it. And I don't usually like, I knew what the plot was to begin with. Um, That's usually not my genre. I don't like books that are intentionally sad to begin with. Mm -hmm. But it was so cleverly written. Mm -hmm. And you really get in touch with the character. And I just, I loved the perspective. And then, you know, again, spoiler alert, there's that twist where she's actually not the one. Mm -hmm. It's who's sick. sick. And I mean, she is sick, but she's not the first one to go and you really expect her to be. Um, So I waited until the movie was out on DVD. I didn't go see it in theaters. Um, I kind of like to wait until after the hype has died a little bit before I explore something. And I thought it was such a good adaptation. I really thought it stayed true to the book. The character was was very much solid. And plus, I just love her as an actress. She's fabulous. Yes, Shailene Woodley. I do like her a lot. And I, I, I really enjoyed the film. So I actually did go into the hype and I went and saw it like opening day with my two cousins and who had both um, read the book and I thought it was a good adaptation um I know John Green well young adults love him they still fly and adults generally love him his books fly off our shelves still we we have a lot of trouble keeping them in stock um but I have read a couple of critiques of him that like all his books are the same I won't say all his books are the same, but if you mean all of his characters are these very smart, well-read, snarky teenagers, right. then I think that is true. Yeah. Um, Which and, is a little optimistic, if you ask me. I, well, I mean, just well, that's the critique I've read. Like, you know, are teenagers really like this? And I don't know. I'm not a teenager anymore, but I wasn't that quippy, and that you know, when I was no. a teen. But but I thought the movie was well done, and I wondered too what role these authors play in how well their movie is translated because he I think had a pretty active role in in The Fault in Our Stars. I don't know if he wrote the screenplay but I know he was present right. for a lot of the filming. Well for me having an author write the screenplay actually doesn't guarantee that it's going to be the truest adaptation mm-hmm. because um, Suzanne Collins she oh, wrote right, the screenplay that. for The Hunger Games and I know that my opinion in this is not the popular one <laughs> I actually didn't love it yeah. as an adaption. Um, now, I thought the events corresponded true to the book. And right. I think that if you hadn't read the book, you could definitely really enjoy the movie. And I had a lot of friends who had read the book and absolutely flipped out over the movie, totally loved it. For me, it really fell flat emotionally. Mm-hmm. And when I was trying to figure out why, um, I think most of it came down actually to Peta's character. I thought oh, was gosh. really underdeveloped in the movie. I oh, mean, I agree. And, and I really like him as an actor, but he ended up just looking kind of like a lost puppy Whiny. mouth breather. Yeah. Like, it was, just, it was <laughs> really so unfortunate. True. And I realized it's because in the book, well, for one thing, it's written in first person. Mm-hmm. So you have Katniss's perspective throughout the book. And she kind of assumes that he's just, you know, the well-fed bread boy mm-hmm. who's maybe doesn't have a whole lot of skills or intelligence to bring to the table. And she kind of watches him and he plays to the crowd. And mm-hmm. at first she doesn't get it and she thinks he's just kind of ignorant. But then you kind of realize through their communication that he's actually a very calculated person. Yeah. And that everything that he does, even when he's kind of 
sucking up to the people in the capital right. is to support his own survival. And you never see that in the movie. No, ever. you're right. Like in the fact, most intelligent thing he does is paint himself to look like rocks <laughs> so that nobody finds him. Right. And and that is just so visually compelling that you really don't even care about him so much. Right. And I so when I first saw The Hunger Games, one thing I think is important too I had read The Hunger Games. I had read The Fault in Our Stars, but, like, years prior. Yeah. So this isn't me coming off of a book, going to see the movie the next day. You know, then compare... Then I might be a little more harsh, I guess. I liked the first Hunger Games adaptation. I thought the second has been better, or was better. Um, But the first one, what I really... What I really found frustrating was the male characters. Yes. Um, (laughs) and, and And the young male characters. You know, I thought... Oh, no, I can't remember his name. But the guy who's played by the guy from Cheers, Woody Harrelson's character. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hamish. Yeah, I think he, I thought he was great. Um, but, you know, one thing I worry that we do when we laud female um, characters and female heroines, which I am 120% in support of, but let's not diminish the roles of the males, right? right. Let's let's acknowledge that we bo- we both both genders can be strong and courageous, yes. and you know one doesn't have to be strong, one doesn't have to be weak to make the other strong. Exactly. And I thought the book did a pretty good job of showing the strength of the male characters, but I did not think the movie did. No. And I actually found both Gail and Peta, but especially Peta, and I. And different. I actually am not a fan of that actor. I don't know where. I don't know what he's been on. I'm sure he can act better than say I could act, but <laughs> I am not a fan of his. So when I heard he was cast, I really didn't know who he was. Um, and even Gail's character, my dog is now snoring in the background. Um, Gail and Peta both just felt really underdone. Like I remember being in the theater, and when you see Gail sitting on the hillside, like lost, looking off, looking off into the distance, like. <laughs> People in the theater literally laughed out loud. Right. It's it just, like I'm too sorry, much. but it came across as a little pathetic. Plus, right. I would like to point out that he would never have been on the hillside. He would have been forced to watch the games <laughs> alongside everybody else. Right. You can't just you hide know, in the hills. You can't just hide in the hills that was not allowed. Yeah. So I think I, I'm with you. I liked the Hunger Games adaptation, but I do think the male characters in the film were really underdeveloped, which is a shame because I don't think they were underdeveloped in the books. Right. And now Catching Fire, I thought was a lot truer to the emotional tone of the book. Yeah. I think you see um, a little bit better picture of the kind of the relationships between the people. They're better developed. And um, I will say, I think the minor characters like Effie and Haymitch were Mm -hmm. fabulously cast. Oh, I did too. Um, I'm with you there. Definitely enjoyed Catching Fire more than The Hunger Games. So I'm hopeful for the first installment of Mockingjay that's about to come out. Though I'm a little irritated with these people who turn the last book in a series into two films. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I think that's just a cash cow thing. It is. I don't think that has anything to do with the quality of the book. The book doesn't need the two movie. films. I don't think it needs two films. It doesn't. I think you could get it in one. So that'll be interesting. we have this trend that started, and now everybody's Thank just you, kind Harry of accepted Potter. it. Yeah. So we're stuck with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, speaking of Harry Potter, let's talk briefly about that before we move on to some classic um, book-to-movie adaptations. Have you read Harry Potter? Rebecca? I am a total Harry Potter virgin. Rebecca. I haven't read the books or seen the movies. Oh my gosh. I know, I know, I know. I totally need to. And I have been meaning to. My summer was just way busier than I anticipated. Well, and it may be one of those things that like the longer you wait, the more you put it off kind of thing. Like it's not that big of a deal. Do you know what I mean? Right. So for me, it would have been really hard to avoid because as I am fond of telling people, Harry and I are the same age, at least in the publishing world. So <laughs> Harry Potter... Um, 
the very first book came out when I was 11 turning 12, which I believe is when the stories of Harry start. And my dad brought back this book from a trip to Washington, D.C. He always brought back little souvenirs and stuff. And I was kind of ticked because it was this book with a wizard on the cover. I, unlike you perhaps, do not generally read fantasy books. And so I was like, <laughs> I'm not reading this, but I am a daddy's girl. And I was like, I am going to read this if it kills me because I want to make my father happy. So I, tr- I read this book and of course, like so many others, I fell in love with it. Um, each summer a new book came out and I didn't go to a launch party or anything, but I would go within the first week or so and pick up my copy. So was a faithful fan, read all the books, um, pulled my only all-nighter ever to read the very last one. Um, my dad, um, the wonderful dad that he is, would read them after me. So he read them. And then when the movies began coming out, that was our date night. Like he and I would go see the movies together. So... I actually don't think the Harry Potter movies are that well done. I don't. I think they're fine. Um, I think the books are so much richer. But there's nothing you can do about that. I mean, right. the books are thick and full of, you know, chock full of details and things that you're never going to see in film. I think the films are pretty good. Um, but they're, like, nostalgic for me because they're what my dad and I would go see every year. And I think the movies improved with the age of the actors, so the older, you know, the later in the series you get, I think the better the movies become. Um, so did you see the Harry Potter films or are you a total Harry Potter virgin? Total Harry Potter virgin. Seriously, I didn't you've even never see even the seen the movies? Oh nope. my gosh. Oh, I don't know what to say. I don't, I'm yeah, speechless. I, I wish I had something to contribute. <laughs> uh, get back to me this oh, time next year and yeah. I will have. Oh, you've got, you need to. And you spend so much time in the middle reader section. I do think, um... I am not a huge rereader. I know there are people who have reread Harry Potter faithfully. Um, I have read maybe a couple of them a couple of times, but some of my favorite books I've read like up to five or six times. Okay, so you might be a rereader then of the Harry Potter books, but I think you at least need to give them a once over. Absolutely, um, they're really well done. Uh, I I just love them. I think J.K. Rowling's a genius. Um, the films are okay adaptations. Again, I think the I think they improve as the characters age. Um, let's talk about classics because the exception to my books are always better than movies rule has been these classic have been these classic um, films that I that are adaptations from classic books. And I wonder if that is because a classic book is something we've all read. Mm-hmm. but maybe many years ago. And so none of us are going into the film expecting it to be this great adaptation. Mm-hmm. So for example, um, I adore the Anne of Green Gables books. I love Ellen Montgomery. Um, if you have read the Anne books, you really must also read the Emily books. They are superb. Um, but Anne of Green Gables, PBS turned into a film several years ago. And I think PBS did it. Anyway, um, yeah, because they always did it with like their pledge drives. And yeah, stuff. that's right. Okay, so they're, they turn Anne of Green Gables into a two-part, uh, well, a two-VHS uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, And then Anne of Avonlea. Um, I will say, though, I just pretend Anne of the Island, their third. Did you know PBS did a third? Yes, oh, and I, um, I watched it a couple years ago. Not their best effort. No, terrible. So please, please Just skip don't. The third yeah, one. It don't, doesn't count. don't watch them. They have nothing to do with the books. Nothing at all. 
there is never he is not a war doctor like I can't even go into that okay so just watch Anne of Green Gables and Anne of Avonlea I think and they do depart from the books a little bit in Anne of Avonlea I think just um timeline wise because there are lots of Anne books I think there are seven or eight Anne books um the, I think those movies are so well done. Have you seen those? I have. I grew up on the VHS okay. copies. Yeah. And, like, I even had I had a friend, um, and we would watch them together, and her mom would joke that I was Anne, and oh, Rachel was, was Diana. Diana. Mm-hmm. And plus, she had the dark, hair. the dark hair. And, I mean, I was blonde, not a redhead. But all the same, like, so I really identified with yeah. her character when I was younger, especially because I was something of a dramatic child. I was about to say, you probably yeah. are an Anne. I I wish I was an Anne, and I think I am in some ways, like, her stubbornness, mm-hmm. her, I hope, maybe her um, gift of writing and teaching, maybe I have a little bit of, um, but if I'm being honest with myself, you know, I might be spunky like Anne, but I don't think I'm that dramatic, fiery right. character. Um but those movies are so good. But you have not read the book. I haven't. We've argued about this. Yes, we so, have. <laughs> so um, um, as her quote unquote boss, I'm you know I feel like she really needs to read these um, that and Harry Potter apparently. But um, Ellen Montgomery, I think, writes beautiful children's books. I think those books are so special. I hope Jordan and I have little girls one day so that I can watch them enjoy the Aunt, the tales of Anne Shirley. Um, but I also would love to sit down and watch those movies together. My mom and I, they're like a comfort movie Yes, for us. absolutely. And so my mom and I have watched those many times through just as a comfort thing. Um, so even growing up, that was a situation where I thought, oh, this movie is just as good as the books that I love. Um, and then the other one is um, Little Women. Please, please tell me you've read. Little yes, Women. Okay. I have read Little Women. I've <laughs> okay. also read Little Men, which, okay. believe it or not, there is a film adaption of. Oh, I've not seen the most film. Most people don't Little know Men. about it because it's um, it's not very, it's just not very well known. Okay, well, is it older? An old? Oh, a little bit. Okay. No, well, I mean it's color. I mean it's not that old, but okay. it's probably within the last twenty years. Or okay. So. so Little Women has had many film adaptations. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one where I think Elizabeth Taylor plays Amy. Um, I've seen that one. Is that one. the one where Catherine Hepburn plays Joe? Joe? Maybe so. The black and white one? Yeah, the black okay, and white one. Okay, yeah. Okay. I actually like that one. Um, but I admit, a ch- the child of the 90s that I am, I love Little Women with Winona Ryder, of all people. Talk about a feel-good comfort movie. Right? Isn't it? Um, and Christian Bale as Lori, is there anything it's better? It's so adorable. <laughs> it I is. Just... Forget Batman. I think he was better as Lori. <laughs> um, I love Little Women. Um, Little Women, the film adaptation. I, I do get, too. I find these are books. And see, I'm not like you. I'm not a re- huge rereader. I feel like once I've read books a couple of times, that's enough for me. Um, now, I will say some of the classics I've reread. Um, I was telling Katie when we recorded our last podcast. Um, the book An Old Fashioned Girl um, by Louisa May Alcott is one of my... It's one of the only books I reread almost every year. Lately, not so much, but I just love it. I think it's so, so sweet. Such a sweet story. Um, I feel kind of the same way about Little Women. I've reread that one a few now, times. No, I haven't actually reread it. Oh, um, you should. Rebecca film. is of a family of four sisters. So whenever I see Rebecca and her sisters, I think of Meg, <laughs> Joe, Beth, and Amy. Um, I have a huge attachment to that book. 
I have a hard time with people named Amy because of that I do book. too. Yeah. <laughs> I do too. And you know, it's unfortunate, but um, I have always hated Amy ever since. I, I mean, I thought she was kind of a bratty child anyway. Right. But ever since she burnt Joe's the burn book, book. Yeah. I have, Joe may have eventually forgiven her for that. I, I never didn't. will. No. I didn't. And you know, I think part of that is because I um, have also dabbled in writing. Right. And so, especially when I was about, really about Joe's age, I wrote a lot. And um, that's so personal. And to think of someone, like, intentionally destroying right. that. Oh, my word. And not only that, but she ends up with Lori. I mean, it was just right. like a fence on top of a fence. <laughs> right. So, Amy will never find herself in my good graces. No, and I never, ever. like, I think at the end of the book, you're supposed to like her and find her agreeable. And I really do not. I, I really do not care for her. No. I finally... So I very first read um, Little Women as a third grader, which I'm not really sure if I would recommend Little Women to your third grade children, um, but because I became so emotionally involved with this book. <laughs> but it was the first time I remember throwing a book across the room, and I hid in my closet. I am a private crier. I do not generally like to, for people to see me cry, and I've been that way since childhood. And so I was eight years old, crying in my closet, Aww. and my mother was like, what is the matter with you? And spoiler alert, although if you haven't read Little Women, please give me a break. But um, <laughs> it was not because Beth had died, even though I found that very sad and traumatic. It was because Joe said no to Lori. And even as an eight-year-old, I thought, no, this is not how this it's is not supposed, supposed to happen. not supposed to go, no. And okay, so that was me reading Little Women as a, as a third grader. And this is what I love about books, because as an adult, I have read Little Women. And even though there is still a part of me that thinks Joe and Lori forever, <laughs> um, I have reread those books and rewatched those movies and thought, no, this is who Joe was supposed to be with. And I read an article about Louisa May Alcott, or a biography of her, and her goal was for Joe to be single. Probably because she was single. Exactly, yeah. And I think so much of Joe was autobiographical. But she had... Um, written Joe to be single and the publishers I mean back then that was like unheard of no right. you can't have a single woman absolutely not it won't sell um no and so they made her marry her, marry Joe off and when I realized that Louisa wanted Joe with the professor like it wasn't just oh let's put her with him because she has to be with someone I think she created a professor because she wanted at least Joe if, she, if Joe couldn't be single, let's at least find her a husband that's a good match for her. Right, and not just the, the childhood companion and obvious choice because his right. wealth would rescue their family. Right, right. And so, anyway, as an adult, I now am fully on board um, for the professor and Joe. That was hard as a child, though. I yeah. mean, even, like, watching the movies. like. But it's interesting because as you grow up, you do have different perspectives on things. Yeah. And so I think with classics especially, you get to kind of enjoy them in a different light when yeah. you get older. Which is why I think classic um, film adaptations of classic books, I think, do okay. Yeah. Um, to Kill a Mockingbird, I love the film adaptation. Well, I mean, come on, Gregory Peck. <laughs> right. <not> to love. <laughs> right, right. And the little girl who plays Scout, I mean, I just feel like that's an exceptional film um, for an exceptional book. Absolutely. Um, and then, on a lesser note, I do not feel this passionate about, um, about this film, but um, the Great Gatsby has been done a couple of different times, and to me, I feel like that's totally doable because, again, these are classics that we've read, right. but we many of us have probably read them years ago. They're not fresh on our minds. We remember these main points, so as long as the movie hits the main points or gets the main feel, we're fine. Um, real quickly, I guess, what did you think of um, the Baz Luhrmann 
adaptation of The Great Gatsby? Well, for me, uh, my experience was a little unique because I actually hadn't read the book before I saw the movie. Okay. And the first time I saw the movie, I was like, wow, that was an experience, but I'm not sure I enjoyed it because it was actually, I found it to be rather heavy right. and depressing. Yeah. Um, but re-watching it, I think it's actually a fabulous piece. Right. And I think it was a stroke of genius to tie in the jazz age to today's rap culture. Yes. Be- be- because there's actually not a whole lot that's changed. Right. Um, the face of it has changed oh, and the sound point. of it has changed, but it's the exact same feel, the exact same Oculence sort of and... And, and frenzied drive to find some sort of satisfaction in life. And right. I thought that connection oh, really helped point. us identify with something that's kind of considered to be a bygone era. Yeah. So because of that connection, I think we're able to better emotionally relate with these characters and these stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought it was fabulously done. Yeah. Um, and I love how flawed everybody is because you actually I personally didn't really fully agree with any of the characters at all right um especially you know the the female lead um, Daisy Daisy yeah and so I I really enjoyed it so when I went back and actually read the book some months after I'd seen the movie I thought wow this was actually a lot closer in um, verbiage, the dialogue, the descriptions. Mm-hmm. I thought it followed the book very closely, yeah. just with a slightly different twist to kind of bring it into this century, yeah. this and I, generation. I thought, um, I thought The Great Gatsby film, it, um, The Great Gatsby book is one of my favorites. I love F. Scott Fitzgerald. I love his books. Um, I've loved them. I fell in love with them in high school. Fell in love with the story of Zelda. Um, so there are so many... I don't know. I I lived in Montgomery, Alabama, where Zelda grew up, so I went to her childhood home. Like I kind of was obsessed with the Fitzgeralds for a while. That being said, I don't think anybody would say that The Great Gatsby is this exceptionally like feel good book. Oh no, and no, I rem- not by any stretch no. of the imagination. And I remember when the movie came out, and I don't know if it's because Leonardo DiCaprio and Tobey Maguire like these big names, but I remember, and I don't mean to be judgy, but like um, some like teenagers went and saw the movie maybe at the same time I did or maybe they came and shopped at the bookshop I'm not really (laughs) sure but and the way they were talking about Daisy they almost saw The Great Gatsby more as a love story than anything else and that was really hard for me because I don't think The Great Gatsby is a love story no I mean I certainly think as with all great stories there is a love interest and a love and perhaps a love triangle and an element of falling in love and romance but that's not the overall art. No, and in of the fact, book. I thought that Gatsby was more obsessive than in love. Yes, I thought it was a cautionary tale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I and I remember somebody, um, some teenager I overheard. Maybe it was in the store, but they were talking about Daisy as this. Um, like almost like this role model and I was oh, thinking oh word. gosh no <laughs> no I mean think about it she has a child that you don't see until the last five minutes and right. it's like as she's sort of running away right and, I mean I remember thinking as I watched it wow you actually don't deserve Gatsby or the husband that you have <laughs> right. you're, you're a fickle woman right I mean there was nothing to me at all no and her. all In fact, of these characters yeah. are so flawed and I I saw um the, the Great Gatsby, the new version, the Boss Lerman version. And at first I thought, oh, too much. Like, um, so Rebecca and I are both HSPs, which is a phrase we have mentioned on this show many times. And Katie rolls her eyes every time. It's, it's a, a real, real thing. thing. Um, it's a real thing. And both of us have it for sure, uh, which makes for an interesting working environment. <laughs> every little noise, we're both like tensing up. Um, but 
Talk about sensory overload. Oh, and I saw it in 3D. Oh, no. In IMAX 3D. I think I and I think sick. that was one of the reasons that the, my first, I felt so overwhelmed yes. the first time I saw it. Yes. I, it was almost too much for me. I had to shake it off, actually. Yeah, yeah. It, it felt like too much stimuli, um, too many stimuli. But uh, um, I also went in knowing, so I really love Moulin Rouge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I knew this is going to be different. This isn't going to be your cut and dry adaptation right. of, of a classic book. This is going to be different. And I never thought about the jazz culture versus the rap culture. Well put. Really, <laughs> I really think that's a good point. Um, and, and the overstimulus is part of Great Gatsby. Yeah. It's part of that era. And so I remember sitting thinking, whoo, that was a lot. Like, huh. But it fits. But it's it, appropriate. Yes, but it is appropriate. And so I thought that was I thought that was pretty pretty well done. Um okay. Before we close out, um part of what the bookshelf does um to celebrate book and film um, is once a quarter we have a film society meeting. So we have partnered with uh, Thomas University. They have a great film class over there taught by um, Professor Lisa Mitchell. And Lisa has come and joined us. Um, I guess we've had two meetings. Um, and the whole point is that you read the book first and then you watch the film adaptation and then we discuss it together. And I love Lisa because we at the bookshelf are such book advocates. Mm-hmm. And she is clearly such a film advocate. And instead of approaching the books are always better, which it, which is kind of how my stance used to be, books are always better, Lisa very much has taught all of us, I think, no, that's not necessarily true. Movies are just different. Yeah. And sometimes, and we have to judge the movie for the movie. And it might be a bad movie. Right. Um, but you have to judge the movie with the movie. So, um, you know, some other films that I'd love for us to do in Film Society, Life of Pi. Um, I don't know if you read that book, but I thought that was a beautiful film adaptation. And I know some people who saw the film and never read the book, but but they got the same, I don't know, lessons and stories and plot from the film that they would have received from the book. So I think that's a really great one. Um, but the two that we have done so far are To Kill a Mockingbird, which is the one we started with um, because this is the South, and what better way to start <laughs> your film society than with a book and movie you already know people have read and loved. Um, and I thought we had some really interesting discussion comparing To Kill a Mockingbird, the book, to the film. Um, and then our second meeting, we did something a little different, I think. We did um, True Grit, the book, uh, versus True Grit, the um, Coen Brothers film. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are your couple of thoughts? So you've been to both of our Film Society meetings. Mm-hmm. How has that kind of changed your view of how you watch movies that have been books? Um, and what did you think of those meetings together? Well, I think it's been interesting to see different people's perspectives because I think there is something of um, an elitism that readers generally carry. <laughs> and so True. there's often this, you know, when, when you talk about books versus movies, there is kind of that general assumption that, oh, books are always better. Right. They're more, maybe more, have more cultural value. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been interesting to kind of listen to someone who teaches film and and, film's value right exactly and to realize that you know hey those have just as much value it's just in a little bit different sphere Mm -hmm. and it's interesting to see people have um different ideas about 
comparing different adaptations. You know, like there oh, were a lot of people right. who brought up the John Wayne version yeah. of True Grit. Yeah. And so it's, it's just fun listening to other people's perspectives. That was a really fun conversation. And again, you could compare the, there have been a couple of different adaptations of The Great Gatsby, a couple of different right, adaptations exactly. of Little Women. And we could see Jane all day. Eyre. There's been like oh, nine, right. and I've seen like I think seven or eight of them. I oh, own five fun. or six. Isn't that funny? <laughs> and then we didn't even talk about Pride and Prejudice, but for a while there was this whole debate of Pride and Prejudice, the Kira Knightley version versus the Colin Colin Firth, Firth all the way. No comparison. I'm sorry. The music in the other one is absolutely beautiful, but I mean, goodness gracious, there's no comparison. Well, I've me. belittled you so much today about little about Harry Potter and <laughs> um, and that I will admit that I have not actually seen the Colin no! Firth Pride of Prejudice. <laughs> so, so apparently we each we'll need to do party. some homework. Okay. I was going to say we'll, we each we'll, need to do we'll some homework um, because I and I bet there are people gasping on the end of this like that I have not seen those and I loved. The Kira Knightley version, I really did. It's, I it's, thought it's good. I thought that Darcy was really well done. Speaking, oh, something we didn't. Sorry, I'm just getting carried away here. But something we didn't even talk about was the Lizzie, Lizzie Bennet. Bennet Diaries. Yes. Oh, oh my, my gosh. Um, if you are listening and you are a Jane Austen fan, which we have a lot of Jane Austen staffers at the bookshelf, <laughs> I feel like Rebecca and Hannah, we all really love Jane Austen. Who doesn't? I guess would be the proper way to say it. But um, the Lizzie Bennet Diaries are a well done. I think modern take on oh, on Pride and Prejudice. Absolutely fabulous. I was really dubious. It's it's a web series on YouTube and it's just so clever. It's so well done and I feel like it again in the same way that The Great Gatsby took mm-hmm. an older era and kind of made it more um, accessible. I think that this is I exactly who Lizzie Bennet would have been if, if she, she were, were born, born now yeah. instead of, you know, in the 1800s. And I don't, I generally shy away from internet comments, like the comment sections of internet articles. They're just a terrifying vortex. They're Agreed. a terrible place to be. But I would read some of the YouTube comments um, on the Lizzie Bennet diaries, and I loved that it got people of a new generation reading yes. Pride and Prejudice. Um and that same company, and actually, so the Lizzie Bennett Diaries are produced, um, I think, by a company called Pemberley Digital. Yes. Um, which is run, <laughs> which is adorable, um, which is run by Hank Green, John Green's brother. So, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, um, so, and actually, John and Hank do a lot of really great, I think they, um, Oh, what are they called? The Vlog Brothers or something. They do some fantastic videos that I really think schools should take advantage of. Teachers, if you're listening, um, there are some really great videos they do about history and about current events. Um, but Hank, I think, has moved on to... I think he and John still do some YouTube videos together. Um, but he, I think, is one of the main people in charge of Pemberley Digital. And so they have done the Lizzie Bennett Diaries. And then they most recently did Emma Approved, which... Um, Rebecca hasn't seen yet. Yeah, I've watched about halfway through. Okay. Um, it is a totally different series because, and I think it's important to note, Emma is completely different from yes. uh, Elizabeth from Pride and Prejudice. And let's be honest, not the most likable character. Correct. And so, once you get past that, because I think that even I, who have read both books and know that they are different, I was th- like, oh, I don't know about this. Um, because she, Because I feel like 
I mean, I take online quizzes, right? And I am Elizabeth Bennett. Like, I, right, right. right. <laughs> like, and so, and so um, Emma is just different from me as a person. But I think the um, the girl who plays her in, in this web series is really fantastic. Oh, she does an incredible job. Yes. Yeah. So, so good. So you've got to try the Lizzie Bennett Diaries and Emma Approved. Um, I'll put a link to those in the show notes. Um, because those are really fun adaptations. And we didn't even talk about, you know, Emma has been adapted several different ways as well. Yes. Uh, I love the Gwyneth Paltrow I movie. Do too. Oh, good. I'm so glad you've seen it. I love that's another, that's another comfort movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's another, we're about to hit that time of year where I watch these comfort movies, and that's one of them. Um, and then, believe it or not, um, oh, no, I'm blank. Oh, Clueless. Uh, did you ever oh, see Clueless? Oh, my goodness. Yes. And in fact, that's one of those movies that it's kind of like the shame watch. Yes. Where it's absolutely hilarious and it's terrible. It's, right. I mean, it's really, really bad. Right. But, you love it anyway. Well, and I think it's supposed to be terrible. Yeah. Like, it's one of those cult classics. It's supposed yeah. to be kind yeah. of weird and cheesy and super 90s and Valley Girl and all this stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know, like, Paul Rudd is fantastic to me in that movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But I do just kind of love Paul Rudd anyway. Well, who doesn't? Uh, um, but that's another film adaptation that I think did a really good job. It stays true to the feeling of right. the book. Right. It and, really um, does. I mean, if she were born in today's world, that's probably what she would look like. Right. And the way that she kind of pats herself on the back for helping yes, people who really don't people. need her help. Right. Uh, it fits with the, the original character perfectly. Yeah. Um, there. Now, I'm going to blank on this and Jordan will, Jordan will kill me later because he is a huge Shakespeare fan. But 10 Things I Hate About You yes. was an adaptation. Can you yes. tell me? What was it an adaptation of? Uh, the Taming of the Shrew. Okay, thank you. Jordan, <laughs> Jordan would have gotten on to me. Um, and so that's another one where I'm like, you know what? That's a cheesy, feel-good, weird movie. Yeah. But at the same time, pretty good adaptation, yeah. I thought. And I think stuff like that gets a younger generation interested in the original classic where right. you might not necessarily um, – have personal interest in it right until you've seen something like this right and I think um that's what was so fun about those comment threads on the Lizzie Bennett Diaries and I saw several of them again on Emma Approved it's these um teenagers I'm assuming teenagers I guess I don't really know but the way they're talking back and forth (laughs) they haven't read the books but now they're going to and I love that and and I really respect that and so if films make us all better readers then I'm kind of all for it absolutely um well, Rebecca, this has been a delight. I have enjoyed it immensely. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, you guys, uh, stay tuned. We will do another episode in a couple of weeks, and we will put show notes linking to all these different kind of books and movie adaptations. Um, so we will hopefully see you next time. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> <laughs>